have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. This morning we'll be looking at verses 7 through 12. Galatians chapter 5, looking at verses 7 through 12 this morning. Uh, one announcement that I forgot to tell Jason about that I want to let you know of. Uh, this Friday night, September 14th, we are having a end of summer party at our house. And you're all invited. Just uh, let us know. Uh, text us or call us and let us know you're coming. And Mary Beth will tell you what you need to bring. Uh, so uh, you're all welcome to come. It's going to be an end of summer party, end of closing the pool party. So we can swim. We may even have a movie out in the pool. Who knows? But uh, just let us know that you're coming so we can tell you what you, what you can bring and, and help us with that. So looking forward to that. If you found your place there in Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, verses 7 through 12, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettled you would emasculate themselves. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And Lord, we just pray this morning that you will write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And these, these things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> the other day I was driving down the road listening to the radio and I heard the series of tones that we've all heard followed by someone coming on. This is a test. This is only a test of the emergency broadcast system. And it brought to mind a time not too long ago, a few years back, when we were living in Perryville, and uh, Mary Beth Gabby and I were sitting there in our living room, and those same tones came across the TV. And as soon as those tones ended the weather forecaster came on the TV and he said, this is not a test. This is not a test. A tornado has been spotted in Perry County. If you are in Perry County, run for cover immediately. And sure enough, about five miles from our house, a tornado ripped through. Thankfully, no one got hurt, but it, it did a lot of damage. And so, as we look at our text this morning, Paul is telling us, this is not a test. This is not a test. I'm warning you, there is danger in the camp. There is an enemy in the camp. Listen, heed my warning. Hear what I have to say. So last week, we, we saw this. As Paul said, look, behold, behold, listen, listen to what I'm telling you. And last week we saw that he, gave, he showed us the dangers of distortion, the dangers of a, a false message. And there's, quite, there's those four dangers that we looked at last week. 
Well, this year, this week, as he continues on, he's going to show us the characteristics of false teachers. The characteristics of false teachers. And tonight, today, he's telling us, beware of false teachers who hinder your walk with Christ and who... Uh, can, who what is the word there? Contaminate the church. Just went blank. I don't know why. Beware of false teachers. And it's right up there. Beware of false teachers who hinder your walk with Christ, your Christian walk, and who, contempt, who contaminate the church. And so he's going to show us here in these, this little passage here, this little paragraph, five characteristics of false teachers. Five characteristics of false teachers. Now, why should we learn the characteristics of false teachers? I mean, shouldn't we just be able to see the false teachers? Shouldn't we just be, be able to know who they are and see? I mean, they're, they're teaching a false gospel, right? Well, you know, in the military, when it's time to go to war, uh, the, the military, they, they show us, they, they begin to teach their soldiers uh, the, the uniforms and the emblems, not only of the U.S. military forces, but also of all of our allies and all of our adversaries. Because when you're out there on the battlefield, you want to know who's, who's standing across from you. Is it an enemy or is it an ally? But you know the most dangerous enemy out there is not the one that you can see and clearly identify. The most dangerous enemy is the one that you can't see, the spy who slips in unaware. He wears the same uniform you wear. He talks just like you talk. He says things just like you would say them. But yet he comes in and he twists the truth just a little bit. A little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit over here to get you off to advance the enemy's cause. It's the spy. It's the one you cannot see. And that's the way it is in the church. The false teacher is not the one. We don't have to worry about the guy who comes in with a pentagram tattooed on his arm and, and he's teaching Satanism. I mean, we know that's a false message. The one we have to be aware of is the one who slips in in sheep's clothing, Scripture describes them, it's the wolf in sheep's clothing who looks like us, walks like us, talks like us. He knows Christianese, but he's teaching a false message. And so we need to know the characteristics of false teachers. And so I hope that we see those here today. As we look at our text then and begin to open up and see the five characteristics of false teachers... We first of all, we see that false teachers hinder obedience. False teachers hinder obedience. Look at that first verse there, verse 7. You were running well who hindered you from obeying the truth. Who hindered you from obeying the truth. These Galatians, this, this church, churches in Galatia, they had received the gospel that Paul had preached to them, and they were doing great. They were running well. They had received the message and they were running well. They were living uh, in, in the glory of Jesus Christ. But then this false teacher comes in, or this, this group of false teachers come in, and they begin to preach a distorted gospel. And they, they hinder these people, these, these Christians, from their walk with Jesus Christ. They've 
sent them off path. They've caused them to deviate their walk with the Lord. And that's what false teachers do. And they don't do it where you recognize it. They do it by coming in and twisting the truth. They distort the truth. They take the truth and they just twist it a little bit so that it's just just vaguely uh, distorted to get you off track. And they, they do this, they learn this tactic from the devil himself. In fact, that's what we see in Matthew's, or yes, Matthew's gospel, in the temptation of Jesus Christ. We see that Satan himself, he does this very same thing. He takes the truth, he uses the truth, he takes it out of context, he twists it for his, only, his own advantage, and he uses it to try to get Christ to deviate from his walk with the Father. Matthew chapter 4 tells us that Jesus, after he was baptized, he, he went into the wilderness, and he was there for 40 days and 40 nights without any food. And so he's hungry, he's weak, and that's when Satan comes to him. And Satan says to Jesus, he says, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him, he took him up to the holy city, he set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and there he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You see what he's doing there? Satan is quoting Scripture. He's quoting Scripture. He's taking uh, scriptures from the Old Testament and he's bringing it to Jesus. See here, thus it is written, thus saith the Lord. What does Jesus say? Jesus said to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their, and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And then the devil left him. You see, that's what the the scheme of the devil is. That's what his strategy is. He will take the truth. He will take God's Word. He will take it and use it and twist it. Take it out of context and twist it to get Christians to fall away from their walk with their Lord, to get them off track so that they'll be a bad witness instead of a a glorious witness for the Lord. He He wants to take the truth, twist it to get us off track and not living for the Lord. That's what a false teacher does. The false teachers that we have to worry about are not those who who teach something alien to God's Word. The false teachers that we really have to worry about, especially as a church, is those who come in the church and they take God's Word and they twist it for their own wicked means. And there are tons of, of, of... teachers out there who do that very same thing they they stand up with God's word in their hands and they'll wave it around and they say oh look what it says right here what does it say look at the context pay attention is what they say is that what really what scripture is telling you ask that question 
Ask that question because false teachers will use truth and they will twist it to hinder your walk with the Lord. We have to be careful, church. We have to be careful. We have to be very careful about this. If you are going to protect yourself from false teachers, dear Christian, who want to hinder you from obeying the truth, then you must guard yourself with the truth. Hear me now. If you are going to guard yourself from these false teachers who want to come in and twist the truth to hinder your walk with the Lord, the way you guard yourself is with the truth, with the truth of God's Word. That's exactly what Jesus he, he displayed for us. That's what He did when He was tempted by the devil. When Satan came and he took God's word and he twisted it for his own means, Jesus came back and said, Thus saith the Lord. Jesus knew the Bible better than Satan did. And he was able to guard against error because he knew Scripture. Do you know Scripture? Have you written the word of God on your heart so that you might not sin against God? Dear Christian, if you want to, to defend your faith against falsehood, you've got to know the truth. You've got to know God's Word. It's hard work. It takes time. But you've got to hide His Word in your heart. It will protect you from those false teachers. So false teachers hinder obedience to the truth. Second, false teachers are messengers of Satan. False teachers are messengers of Satan of Satan. Look again at our text there. In verse 8, verse 8 says, This persuasion is not from him who calls you. It is not from him who calls you. Now who calls us? It is God who calls us to faith, isn't it? And that's who he's talking about. This is not, this persuasion, this message that you are hearing, it's not from he who calls you. It is not from God. And if it's not from God, who is it from? It is from the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. It is from the devil himself. False teachers are messengers of Satan. Now I want you to see this though, and I want you to understand that all false teachers who are messengers of Satan are not those who are way off in left field. Did you know Satan can use even Christians to teach a false message? That's what Scripture shows us, doesn't it? When Jesus began to tell his disciples, guys, look, the time is drawing near. And the Son of Man will be delivered over into the hands of the Gentiles to be crucified. And Peter came to him and said, Jesus, 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 wait a minute now. Wait, listen to yourself. Don't think that way. You don't know the Scriptures, right? You don't know what the Word of God says, Jesus. Jesus, the Word of God says the Messiah will reign and rule forever. You don't know what you're talking about. And Jesus turned around to, say, to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. man. Peter was being an agent of the devil in that moment. Did you know Christians can be agents of the devil? They can allow their flesh to, to twist thoughts in their mind and twist the truth that's coming out of their mouth. We have to be careful. Even our Christian brothers and sisters can be messengers of Satan. 
They can allow the devil to use them to teach a false message. We have to be careful. Dear friend, if you follow the guidance of anyone, anyone who deviates from the Word of God, you are being led by the devil. If you follow the message and follow the teachings of anyone who deviates from God's Word, you are following the devil and not God. We've got to be careful. We've got to guard ourselves. We've got to be on the alert at all times. Furthermore, this, this stands as a warning for us as a church. Dear church, I want you to hear this. We must, be diligently, we must diligently seek to conform ourselves, not to tradition, not to our feelings, not to the things that we want to conform to. We must be, be uh, sure to conform ourselves to the Word of God. Many churches get off track because they, they uphold tradition rather than the Word of God. What the Jews did in Jesus' day, didn't they? They didn't care about the Word of God. They were holding tradition. They were keeping tradition. Church can fall in that same error. Holding up tradition rather than conforming to the Word of God. Dear friends, this is our authority and we stand under it. Everything that we do in this church must be conformed to the Word of God. And if we look across the board at the things that we are doing and we see something that is, is deviating from the Word of God, guess what? We've got to cut it out. We've got to get rid of it. We conform ourselves to the Word of God, the Word of truth. False teachers. False teachers are messengers of Satan. False teachers hinder obedience to the truth. False teachers are messengers of, of Satan. Third, false teachers contaminate the church. False teachers contaminate the church. Paul uses an old proverb here. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now, this is kind of a, a strange to us, but it was, it was common in their day. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, Paul uses the same uh, proverb, a little leaven, leavens the whole lump. Jesus, in his teaching, talks to his disciples about warning them about the uh, leaven of the Pharisees, the teaching of the Pharisees. And this proverb is meant to communicate the contamination, how a little bit of error contaminate the whole thing. Now, a lot of you ladies like to bake, and if you're going to, if you're going to bake, you're going to cook bread or a cake or something like that, you've got to have your, your bread to rise. Now, how do you get it to rise? You put yeast in it. And that's what leaven is. Leaven is, is yeast. It's a, a yeast that is mixed into the dough, and it causes a, a chemical reaction to take place. It causes the dough to ferment, which then releases gas within the dough that causes the dough to to rise and get fluffy so that you don't, you're not eating something like a brick, right? It, you want it to rise and be fluffy, and so that's what the leaven does. That's what the yeast does. Now, in our day and time, you just go down to the store. If you want to cook a loaf of bread, you go down to the store, you buy a package of yeast, you pour it in your dough, and, and you mix it up. I'm not saying that's exactly how you do it because I'm not a baker, but it's something like that. 
So you take this package of yeast and you just pour it in there, you mix it up, and it, and it rises. It leavens the lump of dough that you're looking to, to bake. Well, back in the old days, and, and some of you remember this as well, I'm quite sure, because I remember it. I remember Grandma. She used to have her, her ball of leavened dough that she would store in her, her flour box on, on the counter. And so she didn't go down to the store and buy some yeast, not until later on in life, but, but she often she had that little ball of dough stored away in her flour jar. And when she got to, ready to make Sunday rolls, she would take, take out that leaven lump, and she would mix up a new lump of dough, get it all ready, and then she would take that leaven lump, that, le- that lump of dough that had yeast already in it, active, living in it, and she would mix it into that new lump of dough. And then she would set it aside, and lo and behold, it wouldn't take long for that little bitty ball uh, of leavened dough to, to mix into this larger dough and just permeate the whole lump of dough, and the whole thing would begin to ferment, and it would just get big and rise, and it was, it was a wonderful thing, right? It's, she had the best rolls, too. I mean, she had some good rolls. And then she would take a little pinch of that dough, wad it up, put it back in her flour jar for next time around. And that's the way things, they did it back in Paul's day. The people there, the ladies who would, would take, they would have a, a lump of, of leavened dough that they would keep on hand. And when they got ready to, to make leavened bread, they would mix that in their dough. They would let it rise, take out a chunk, save it for next time, and cook the loaf. And so that's the image that, that Paul is showing here. You see, it just takes a little bit, a little bit of dough that has leaven in it, mix it into the larger lump, and it doesn't take long. I mean, just a, few, a couple of hours, maybe a few minutes even, for, for that to begin to work through the whole lump of dough, this new big lump of dough. It doesn't take long. And that's the way it is with false teachers. False teachers, they, they come in and with just a little error inserted here and a little error inserted there, and the next thing you know, the whole church is contaminated with falsehood. Oh, church, we've got to be careful of false teachers. We've got to be aware of false teachers. They don't just come in and try to change things all at once. Oh, they, they slip it in a little here, a little there, a little over yonder. And before you know it, the whole church is contaminated with error. That's what all these other religions and the, all these other cults, that's what they did, isn't it? One false teacher comes in, and, and many of the cults, did you know many of the cults out here today came have a Christian background, Jehovah's Witness, Mormonism, they all have a Christian background. It was one teacher who came in, began to teach falsehood, a little here, a little compromise here, a little compromise there, and the next thing you know, the whole church is in error. And now they've built whole religions based on error. Oh, church, we've got to be careful. We must guard ourselves for our false teachers will come in and with the smallest compromise, they will lead the church into major error. Oh, we've got to be careful. We've got to compromise. We've got to guard ourselves against false teachers who would contaminate the church. False teachers hinder obedience to the truth they are messengers of satan and they contaminate the church number four false teachers will be judged false teachers will be judged 
I remember the story of, of Jeremiah and Hananiah. Jeremiah was one of the prophets of the Lord back in the day when uh, Judah was being judged and, and they were come under the yoke, the slavery of Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. And so God sent a message to Jeremiah. He said, Jeremiah, I want you to go and I want you to put on a yoke. Now, a yoke, if you're a farmer, you know what a yoke is. Many of you know what a yoke is. A yoke is what you, you put on around the neck of a, an ox or a mule and you take them out and you plow the field, right? That's what helps you keep control of them. You, you steer them with the yoke. They are bound under that yoke. They're bound to your control under the yoke. And so God told Jeremiah, you go put on a yoke and you wear it out. I want you people to see this as a representation. And I want you to tell them when they ask, what's up, Jeremiah? Why you got a yoke around your neck? You tell them that I have submitted them to the yoke of the king of Babylon. I am putting them because of their disobedience. They are coming under the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar. They are servants of him. I've done it. This is what I have done. I'm the Lord. And so Jeremiah does this. He goes out and he puts on the yoke. He begins to preach this message of judgment against Jerusalem and Judea and all the other nations around, around them at the time. And then uh, Malachi. Make sure I get his name right. Hananiah, sorry. Too many ayahs in there. Hananiah is a false prophet. And Hananiah comes, and he comes out, and he comes to Jeremiah while they're sitting there in the temple complex, and he takes that yoke off of Jeremiah's shoulder, and he breaks it in two, and he says, Thus saith the Lord, I am freeing you from the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar and uh, Babylon. Jeremiah said, well, praise be to God. I hope, I pray that what you say is true. And so he goes away that night, and then the Lord speaks to Jeremiah that night. He says, Jeremiah, I did not send Hananiah. And so tomorrow you go put on an iron yoke, and you wear an iron yoke, and you tell Hananiah, because of your disobedience, now I'm taking off that wooden yoke, and I'm putting an iron yoke around the neck of Judea for your rebellion and he ends that saying to Hananiah say uh, therefore thus saith the Lord listen Hananiah the Lord has not sent you and you have made this people trust in a lie therefore thus saith the Lord behold I will remove you from the face of the earth this year you shall die because you have uttered rebellion against the Lord and that same year in the seventh month the prophet Hananiah died false teachers will be judged you don't have to guess about that God will judge those who are teaching and preaching falsehood in fact Jesus tells this and you have to understand, many of those false teachers, they think they're doing right, right? They think they're preaching, they're preaching good. They're preaching the, the Word of the Lord, right? They're, they're getting everything that they're, they're saying out of the Bible. I mean, they may not be taking it in its context. They may be twisting it. But hey, they're using the Bible, right? Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? 
and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name and then will I declare to them I never knew you depart from me you workers of lawlessness on that day there's going to be many who stand before him well Lord didn't I make millions in your name didn't I have six seven jets in your name didn't I just draw in crowd after crowd after crowd in your name? Didn't I do many great things in this world, make a great name for myself in your name? And the Lord's going to look down and say, Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. I never knew you. Judgment is coming for those who would teach false doctrine. Judgment is coming for those false teachers who would pervert truth and contaminate the church. But I also want you to be aware of this, dear friend. And I want to warn our teachers in here, those who are teaching Sunday school class, those who are teaching uh, Bible studies, uh, I want you to know this too, that one day, even as a Christian, we will all have to stand before Christ. Not the great white throne judgment, not the judgment where it will be determined whether we go to hell, hell or enter into his kingdom. That's been determined in Christ Jesus. But we'll have to stand before Christ and give an account for what we do in this world in his name. And at that point in time, Jesus will give to us rewards. And what we will be given, rewarded with, will be based upon what we do in this life for his glory and his name. And some of us, will, we, we will receive great riches of treasures and rewards to throw down at his feet in worship. But there's some, many, who will have rewards taken away because they teach falsehood. James chapter 3, verse 1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Dear friend, we must be careful as we teach to other people. When we take God's Word up and we begin to teach other people, we must be careful. Now, I don't want to scare you. I don't want to scare all my teachers. I don't want to scare you out of, out of what you're doing. If God has called you to teach, I want you to teach and teach with confidence. But take this as a warning. Every time I sit down at my desk to begin to prepare a message, when I begin to dig into God's Word and prepare a message to give to you in this place or any other place, I remember that passage. I take that passage very seriously. And I work hard to make sure that when I stay here, stand here and say, Thus saith the Lord, it is the Lord who is saying it, not me. So teachers, just be careful. Prepare, do the hard work to prepare and preach and teach the Word of God and not your own desires, not your own opinions, not your own thoughts. If you teach the Word of God, you're safe. When you start teaching your own opinion, you're in danger. So just be warned and prepare. Use that as a motivation for you to work hard, work diligently to prepare when you teach others the word of truth. So false teachers hinder obedience to the truth. They are messengers of Satan and they contaminate the church. They will be judged and finally false teachers persecute teachers of truth. 
false teachers persecute teachers of truth. Look at the last couple of verses there. Paul says there, But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the the case in that case the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Boy, those are serious words. Paul says, Look, if I was teaching circumcision, if I was teaching the message that these false teachers were teaching, why are they persecuting me? Because they were persecuting him. They were running Paul down in the midst of the, the Galatian churches. They were running him down in all the other churches that he had gone and he, he had started. They were, they were persecuting Paul. And that's what false teachers do. They persecute true, teachers of truth. Because their message doesn't meet up. If you begin to say, well, no, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, that completely con uh, conflicts with the, the message that they're teaching, that it's by works plus faith plus works. We can't both be right, can we? False teachers persecute. And I want you to see here why they persecute. They, they would persecute because if we take out the cross, right? If we preach Christ plus works, then the offense of the cross has been removed. Now, what is he talking about, the offense of the cross? Back in 2 Kings, there's the, the, the story of, of Naaman. Naaman it was a, a general of the Syrian armies. He was the leader of the Syrian armies, the second most powerful man in the Syrian empire. And at that time, Syria was, was pretty strong in the region. So it's possible that he was second, third most powerful man in the whole region. I mean, this is a powerful man. But Naaman had a problem. Naaman was a leper. He was a leper. That means even though he was so powerful and well-known, he always had to live his life most likely behind a mask to cover up the deformity and, and the, the damage of the leprosy. And so this afflicted him most all of his life. But then he was talking to one of his servant girls that he had stolen away from Israel. And the servant girl told him about the prophet Elisha. And she said, you know, Master, Elisha is a powerful prophet and God is really using him in mighty ways. You need to go see Elisha. And so Nathan, he listens to the servant girl and he goes down to Israel to get a meeting with Elisha. And when, when he comes, here, here's the thing, here's this powerful man, second most powerful man in Syria. Here he comes to see Elisha. Elisha doesn't even come out of the house. Elisha sends out his, his helper there. He says, all right, well, well, Naaman's coming. You go out to Naaman and I, you tell him what I want to instruct him. You go tell Naaman that he, he needs to go down to the Jordan River and bathe himself seven times in the Jordan River and God will heal him. And so here comes little servant boy out to tell Naaman the word of the prophet Elisha. And Naaman is like, what? What? 
Look at me and all my pomp. Look at me and all my glory. And this prophet won't even come out of the house to talk to me and give me a message himself. And then he's going to tell me to go out to this puny old Jordan River and bathe myself. Aren't there greater rivers in Syria than the Jordan River? Why should I do that? And he begins to go away, and he's mad. I, I bet he's starting to, to think in his mind ways to get back at Elisha. He's, he's probably starting to plan his attack on Israel to, to punish Elisha and kill Elisha. And then one of his servants says to him, Lord, Think about what Elisha has told you to do. Did he say, really say, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River and you would be healed from this disease that has afflicted you your whole life? Are you really going to ignore that? So Naaman humbles himself and he goes down to the Jordan River, puny old Jordan River, and he washes himself as the Lord through Elisha told him to do, and he was healed. And he came back and he gave glory to God. You see, that's the offense of the cross. You see, we come to the cross and we say, Really? I must bow before this crucified Savior? I don't need him to save me. I'm not that bad. If I can't get to heaven on my own, I don't need it. You see, that's what the human heart says. We don't want to depend on Jesus, but the truth of the gospel is, and the offense of the cross is, if we want salvation, we must bow ourselves, humble ourselves at the foot of the cross and trust not in our own ability, but trust in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation, and then we will be saved. That's offensive to most, uh, most people. That's offensive to all human beings who haven't been changed by the Spirit of God. The offense of the cross attacks our, our pride and it calls us to humility. The cross requires us to humble ourselves before Jesus, to admit our own inability to save ourselves, to admit our need for His salvation and trust in Him alone, exalting Christ alone. Oh dear friend, false teachers persecute true teachers of truth because their, message, their messages are uh, incapable to deliver salvation. Only the message of the cross Deliver salvation to us. Dear friend, when, we're, when you build a house, you've got to start with a sure foundation. I've helped my dad build three different houses, both of my brother's houses and my dad, mom and dad's house. And my, my father always taught me, you've got to start with a solid foundation. I didn't realize how important that was until not too long ago when we moved here. We were looking for houses and we went into this one house and it didn't have a solid foundation. And the foundation had begun to crack and literally the house was being torn in two. Dear friend, we have to start with a solid foundation. Church, we must build on the solid foundation of the word of truth. We must build on the word of God. And on the word of God alone. 
False teachers are all around wanting to to take us away, wanting to hinder our Christian walk and contaminate the life of the church. Church, we must guard ourselves against error by building upon the foundation of the Word of Truth. Everything that we do must be grounded in the Word of Truth. And dear Christian, you have to ground yourself in the word of truth. You have to guard your own life against falsehood. And the way you do that is by reading Scripture, studying Scripture, memorizing Scripture, hiding God's word in your heart. If you don't, if you don't, you are in danger of being led astray and led into error. Oh dear friend, Ground yourself, found yourself in the word of truth. There are others who are here and you've never humbled yourself before the cross. The cross is an offense to you. You're living in your own pride. Trusting in your own ability to save you. But the message of the cross is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you because you can't do it. He gave his life because you have failed and will fail. The only way of salvation is to humble yourself before Jesus and trust in the salvation he has provided through his death, burial, and resurrection on your behalf. Will you trust Him today? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Today, Christian, if you are here and you have been been living in a way, you have become lazy. You know you need to guard your heart, but you've just become lazy. And you've not been studying the Scriptures as you ought to. You haven't been hiding God's Word in your heart as you ought to. Right now, make a commitment. Lord, I will not be led into error. I commit myself to You. And I commit myself to the Word of Truth. Make a commitment right now to do the hard work ground yourself in the truth of God's word if there are those and I know there are you've been living offended by the cross trusting in your own way but today is the day of salvation if you'll humble yourself and trust in Jesus pray to him even now Declaring to Him your faith in Him. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word of Truth. And Lord, we pray as a church that we would be grounded in the Word of Truth always and forever. Guard us, Lord, against the enemy that is out there who is hurling his darts at us. Guard us against error. Ground us in Your truth. And Lord, those who are here, who have never trusted in you, touch their hearts today. Let them see Jesus. Trust in him today. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Stand with us if you will.